Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's been rough for stocks as of late, but the time-tested Dow theory is still very bullish and buying stocks on the dip here is the play. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gains. All right, let's bring on Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com. Always great to have you on the Gaines Podcast, Chuck. Thanks for having me, Andy. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, and as mentioned in the lead, you know, it's been a rough go for stocks as of late. Time-tested Dow Theory, though, still very bullish. And uh, when the uh, Dow Theory is bullish and stocks are getting roughed up, that means you buy the dips. So I just wanted to start there today. Dow Theory is bullish. Explain to where we've been, where we're going, and uh, why uh, buying the dips is probably the right play right now. Yeah, the last major signal under the Dow theory, which, as you know, looks at the movement of the Dow Jones Industrial and Dow Jones Transportation Average and determines whether the primary trend of the market is bullish or bearish. That Under the Dow theory, the primary trend of the market, which typically lasts a minimum eight months and usually much longer, is bullish based on that last signal. Now, as I've mentioned to you on, and we've talked about on your show, it's not unusual that you know you have corrections within bull markets. In fact, they're they're a necessary evil. What they do is help kind of uh, you know skim the froth off of markets. They they restore values uh, and they put the market in a better position to kind of extend its upward move. We're, according to the Dow, the Dow theory, we're in one of those corrections right now. And, and these sorts of corrections within bull markets have certain characteristics. But perhaps the biggest characteristic is they scare the heck out of investors. And uh, we're finally getting too close to that point of, of you know, the fear, maximizing fear here, given the way the market has behaved over the last uh, couple of months. And so... Uh, you know, this is still a correction within a bull market, according to Dow Theory. It is now fitting kind of those characteristics of being violent and sharp and and creating a lot of fear. But that's what they do. And, and so I'm, I'm still fairly confident in the Dow Theory. I'm still fairly confident that this is an opportunity. And, you know, based on trading that I've seen over the last few days, and including uh, today's trading on Tuesday, um, I think we're getting pretty close to the the bottom of this correction here, quite frankly. How much would the market have to go to the downside where you'd start getting concerned that the, the Dow theory might not 
fully be in place. Yeah, I you know it, it, I I think you know if I if I saw the Dow Industrials start to get back closer to say thirty one hundred or thirty one thousand thirty two thousand that would kind of give me some some concern that it, maybe the Dow theory didn't uh, wasn't exactly spot on this time. Uh, so you know I think there's still a ways to go. You know when you think about it, coming off that peak. Uh, uh, that, that recent peak, you know, the 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 Dow's not even down, you know, seven percent, six percent. So, uh, you know, we're, we're it, it feels much more aggressive. And when you look at certain areas of the market, I mean, there are a lot of technology stocks that have sold off ten, fifteen, twenty percent. Small cap stocks have have really had a rough go over it over the last couple of months. The that uh, there are a lot of stocks in the in the Russell 2000 small cap index, for example, that are down 33% or more from their 52-week high. So there has been the sort of damage that you typically see in in a uh, you know in a correction phase. Um, but again, I think it's still it still should be regarded as a correction and not uh, you know not a continuation of a bear market. And then we've talked about how. Markets seem to time is kind of consolidated a little bit. It's kind of crunched together for a lot of things to play out, you know, like they used to say 30, 40 years ago. We'd see stuff that would happen in six months now happen in six weeks. And I want to want you to touch on that. Um, you know, how much of, a, you know, volatility plays into this as well? Yeah. And, and, and again, typically corrections last anywhere from three weeks to three months. Now, this one has been going on now probably for about six weeks, seven weeks. So, you know, under the three weeks, three months, you know, there's still plenty of time for the for this correction to unwind um, and still be within, that, you know, that three-month uh, parameter. But corrections, market moves of all kinds, typically now the moves have become much more compressed in nature and and the market moves more violently in shorter periods of time. So, you know, we're we're right in that area where, you know, I would expect that you know, this is going to start to run its course or has run its course. And and the other factor as I mentioned that kind of is starting to make me feel that is is, you know, I think last time we spoke Andy, which maybe was a couple of weeks ago, you know, I, I I didn't have the impression that there was enough fear in the market for the correction to have run its course, that investors were still kind of complacent. And I think that's starting to go by the wayside. You're you know, feeling just, like the pile on is like you feel like the pile on, pile on as of late, just like the last week or two. And just some of the news that's being shuffled around just seems way much worse than a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it does. And and you start to see a lot of this, you know, and I, uh, it, it was, you know, all of a sudden, you know, AI stocks are all way overvalued and AI is a artificial intelligence is, is, you know, a big, you know, bubble and it's a big hoax and it's not going to do, I mean, you start seeing these kind of narratives coming out. You start seeing narratives about some individual stocks that, you know, have been up, you know, 200% this year. So, to give back 20 or 25% is not just, uh, you know, it's normal, it's expected. And yet, you know, you're reading these stories about these colossal pullbacks and, you know, bone crushing corrections, uh, you know, declines occurring in certain stocks. And it's called taking a profit, that- right? And for some of these folks, I mean, it's literally, yeah. I mean, you have a pullback when you have such 
an increase, double, triple value, even pullback of like 20, 30%. That's profit taking. Well, it is. And, and, you know, we have to keep in context the time of year, not just seasonality, which, you know, August, September, October doesn't not tend to be a very great time of year, particularly September and October. But we're also, you know, we had an interesting year where you had big gains in stocks. And, and in certain stocks, you had huge gains. We're getting toward the end of the year. You've got, you know, professional investors out there and hedge funds that are trying to protect their 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 performance numbers to get that, you know, to get that two and twenty, uh, you know, fees that they capture. And so there there's an inclination right now to to play defense and to kind of lock down the profits and protect your 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 fees and and your your profits um, f- for the year and. You know that that that's not unusual, um, and that's you know the type of thing that can fuel uh, a secondary correction within a, a primary bull market. I mean, there's always you know there's always reasons why stocks go down, and those reasons tend to get magnified as stocks decline. But it, you know, at some point, the the fear and the uh, you know the, the contrarianism just reaches kind of the apex, and I think we're getting close to that point now, quite frankly. And then how do you play the bot? What what areas are generally most poised to move when, you, you know, you put in a, a, a kind of a, a test the bottom type scenario and then make that move again higher? What, I mean, what areas generally historically do well? Yeah, you know, it, it, it oftentimes some of the previous leaders will, will snap back pretty nicely um, as the narrative shifts back. Uh, you, you'll get a little bit more of a broadening in the market too. So it'll include, it should include kind of value stocks. It should include kind of small and mid cap stocks. But the one thing you don't want to do is kind of miss, you want to take advantage of these corrections, both in a broad sense by perhaps buying into some broad market indices, whether it's a, you know, a, a large cap index or something like a total market index, which gives you exposure across large, mid and small and then, may, and then you want to try to maybe pick off some individual stocks that you have been watching that have really kind of corrected as well. And, and again, you know, these are the times when long-term investors make their money. Uh, you know, where where they're looking to establish positions um, in quality companies, and you know, they're waiting for pullbacks, and you got to act on it when you get them, and you're getting them now. So I, I think. In, in in the ensuing rally that should happen, uh, that I hope hope happens, um, it's going to be pretty broad based. I think so. I think you want to make sure that you're in a broad based index to capture that, and then I think you can go, you know, pick off some previous leaders. You can go, uh, you know, there there are some tech stocks, for example, that that we like a lot that have pulled back and are offering, I think, pretty interesting values. You know, I'll give you two names. I I think Alphabet continues to be a, a very interesting stock and that has pulled back. And then the other stock is stock I mentioned uh, yesterday on Broadcom, which is a, a semiconductor related stock that's also has some software to it. And, uh, you know, a, a strong AI play dividend yield of over 2%. So you get a, a nice dividend yield on it. And that stock has pulled back pretty substantially as well. And I think those are you know, in the technology space, those are ideas that should work going forward. Brock, uh, Broadcom has a unique ticker. Throw that out there real quick. Yeah, it does. The, the ticker is AVGO. So it has nothing to do with 
sounding like Broadcom, but I, I believe the company used to be called Avago a, a, a while ago, and, and, and then they changed their name um, and through, I think, an acquisition. So, But their, their ticker is A, V as in Victor, G, O. That's Broadcom. And then the, the ticker for Alphabet is, is Google, G-O-O-G-L. And then, you know, just real quick, it just this is kind of inside, but for Alphabet, I noticed there's uh, two types of shares that trade, G-O-O-G, G-O-O-G-L. Uh, I'm just curious, what's the difference? You know, let the Gaines listener know. There's a difference in class of shares, and I just want you to yeah, hit on that real quick. A, yeah, I, I, think there's a, I think there might be some voting share difference, um, but the, those track pretty closely. We typically do the, the G-O-O-G-L shares, but either either one is fine. And again, the two price, the two stocks prices for each of those tickers usually track pretty, pretty closely. But again, we, you know, if you had a gun in my head, I would say do the G-O-O-G-L versus the G-O-O-G. And then you mentioned this earlier, you got a lot of the Russell 2000. There's a lot of areas that have been roughed up there. Um as tech comes back, I think the Russell 2000 kind of poised for a big comeback as they kind of catch up with some of the other high flyers. Thoughts on the Russell 2000, that broader market there? Yeah, I mean, that that index, you know, four to eight weeks ago was up 14% for the year, and it might be flat now. So, I mean, in a fairly short period of time, it's basically given up everything that it earned this year. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it's a case where there's some pretty nice companies that are in the Russell 2000 and, you know, those are not the, <laughs> not the toot our horn, but so the sorts of stocks that we do cover in our, our upside publication. And you can learn more about that at upsidestocks.com. But there, there are, you know, and, and what's interesting, Andy, is that at the end of the day, the stock market truly is a market of small stocks. And when you look at the four to 5,000, you know, 6,000 publicly traded stocks out there, 90% of those are probably small cap stocks, stocks with market capitalizations of five, mil, of 5 billion and below. So to, to ignore small cap stocks, really you're ignoring, you know, nine out of every 10 publicly traded stocks and you're really limiting your opportunity set. And, and, yeah, in the Russell 2000 right now, small cap index, uh, you know, there are a lot of stocks that aren't behaving very well, but, you know, there are, there are some very nice stocks in that index that, that you know, I think it would, would work well for, for any investor's portfolio, quite frankly. Some, uh, and I can give you some of those names. Uh, and, and, wait, uh, and Chuck, actually, we'll hit you up for some of the names on the UpsideStocks.com list. When we get back from a quick break, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I've been told that's podcast gold. Would totally appreciate the solid there. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday mornings. We'll be right back with Chuck after the break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... 
what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, back with Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com. Chuck is out of Hammond, Indiana. Uh, as we were heading into break, you were kind of teasing it a little bit, but we wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to ping uh, ping you for some of the some some of the choices on off your UpsideStocks.com list. Again, that's UpsideStocks.com. What do you got for us, Chuck? Sure, I'll, I'll give you a number of names. I, I like Allison Transmission. Symbol is A L S N. Stock trades for around $59 a share. You get a dividend yield of about 1.6%. Allison does, uh, as, as the name implies, they, they do auto parts uh, oftentimes for, for large uh, vehicles. Uh, they have uh, kind of natural gas uh, transmission systems. Uh, it's, a, it's a really solid company. It's one that we like quite a bit. That's Allison Transmission. Uh, another company we like is Comfort Systems USA. Uh, symbol is FIX. Stock trades are about $170 a share. Dividend yields about half a percent. Uh, some other names, MCOR, symbol EME. Stock trades for about $209. Uh, they're in an infrastructure play, uh, which is a, a nice space to be in. And it, it's a stock that has hung in there very well. Actually, all the stocks that I've mentioned have hung in there pretty well. And I like to see that kind of relative performance in an area uh, of stocks that are usually getting battered. Stocks that are holding up pretty well are in strong hands and likely to to continue to do okay. Uh, In addition, if if somebody's looking for uh, a high-yielding investment among small and mid-cap stocks, and they're not afraid of limited partnerships, uh, we have Plains All-American, which is a midstream limited partnership in the energy space. Uh, yield is about 7% and the stock's trading at about $15. It's 52-week high is about 16. So it's a stock, again, that has hung in there very well. Get a really nice dividend yield and it gives you an interesting play in the energy space. And then finally, I'll, the last name I'll shoot out there is Sterling Infrastructure. Again, another infrastructure play. Solid, solid company. It has pulled back. 52-week high is 84 down to about 71 right now, and I think it's an excellent opportunity to pick up a, a really strong stock. The symbol on that is S as in Sam, T as in Tom, R, L. That's Sterling Infrastructure, TRL, trades for about $71 a share. Always appreciate the juicy picks there. Um, on uh, Just looking at the market now, again, the Dow theory, bullish, and we're buying on the dips, and it makes sense to do so. But just looking at threats to the market, what do you see right now, Chuck, as the biggest threat for stocks and that could just, you know, derail all of this? Rates, interest rates. I mean, and because interest rates, Andy, as you know, they they price the attractiveness of alternative investments to equities. So, you know, it's one thing if, you know, and you go back to February of 2022 and, you know, you could earn you know, 0.003 on a, you know, a, a money market account, fast forward, and, and now you're earning, you know, around 5%. Um, you know, it's interesting if <laughs> most people wouldn't realize that the, the the one investment 
where the returns have increased 300-fold in a little over a year is a simple money market. I mean, the returns have gone up 30,000%. Um, it's been a pretty good investment right. to have. Yeah, and a lot of people wouldn't think that now, too, since coming out of the world that we've lived in for a very, very, very long time. Right. And so, you know, that that puts pressure on on stocks. I mean, if you can earn, you know, 5% fairly risk-free or you buy, a, you know, a 10-year or you know, a 2-year treasury that's yielding over 5% and that's, you know, that's pretty much money in the bank. There's the risk there if, as long as you're willing to hold it for 2 years is is pretty much non-existent. Um, you know, that's a powerful lure to keep money out of stocks and do that. So if you have this continued increase in rates, which increases, you know, CD rates and increases money market rates, et cetera, that's going to be challenging for stocks. I mean, stocks, what, what has to happen in an environment like that is you, you've got to, create, you know, that fear of missing out in investors. And it's a lot harder to create FOMO if, if you've get, you know, if you can get 5% on your money in cash, it can happen. I mean, if the market all of a sudden starts going on a tear and it goes up 7% in the next six weeks, you know, you're going to see people starting to buy stocks again. That's just a human nature. But again, you asked me what the biggest challenge is for the market right now. And to me, that challenge is, is interest rates because, you know, the higher rates go, the more attractive alternatives to stocks are in that that pulls money out of stocks and puts it into money markets and CDs and treasury securities, et cetera. I've been talking to a lot of other analysts on the Gaines podcast and during the noon business hour, and they always talk quality. They like quality here. Um, I know you follow the Dow. You follow a lot of big quality names. And you gave us some some of the smaller names on the UpsideStocks.com list. But then there's quality, and there's also you know quality that's throwing off a nice dividends. So uh, when when people are looking for quality. Uh, what areas uh, do you like, or what companies are, do you like right now? Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, again, I mentioned Alphabet. Uh, I think a high quality company. You don't get a dividend with it, um, but I think it's a high quality company. I, you know, if you're looking for some, some, some dividend income, uh, you know, another high quality stock is is United Health. I mean, it's a company that consistently beats expectations. It's a it's a monster in its field. Uh, it, it's you know a, a bluest of the blue chips. Uh, United Health UNH is a stock that uh, that I like and, and own and have held for a long period of time. Uh, and then you start getting into um, you know certain areas such as uh, you know in in the utility space, which is an area that's just gotten worked over dramatically. Um, you know if somebody's looking for some dividend yield there. You know, a company like NiSource, the symbol is NI, is a nice play in the utility space. Outside the utility space, and I would imagine a lot of your listeners are more non-utility type folks, um, you know, I, I think you start looking at a company like Parker Hannafin, symbol is PH, that's in a, a lot of different areas, including aerospace, which is an area that I think will continue to, to perform quite well, and in, in, in that's a sector that I think investors should have some exposure to. And Parker Hannafin is a qual nice quality company in that space, symbol is PH. Well, and buying these stocks on dips, whether they're quality or, or some of these smaller names, 
you know, if you got the time horizon, get that horizon. Uh, if you got the time horizon, then, uh, you know, th- these moves now, and you even mentioned it earlier, this is where you make the hay. Uh, and this is where ma- people make the hay long term. So just kind of speak to that and, and, and that long yeah, horizon yeah. and, and pl- you know, the, the, the trades you're making now and what it will lead to in the future. Yeah, I mean, you're you're buying you're buying merchandise at cheaper prices. Now, I will caution you that you are probably not going to pick the bottom. It it you know you you might get lucky, but you know you very well could go buy some of these stocks and they show a little bit further weakness, and you sit there and think, "Geez, I'm a dummy um, for doing that." But but if you're waiting, you know, as that old saying, Andy, as you know, nobody rings the bell at the bottom, right? So. You, you, you don't you, you never really know for sure until after the fact where the bottom is. The best you can do is take a look at stocks, pick the ones you like, see how they've been trading. If you can get it 10, 15, 20 percent cheaper than where it was, you know, four months ago. Uh, yeah, maybe that's not going to be the bottom, but at least, you know, you're not buying it at the top. And if you're really worried about, uh, you know, the stock continuing to decline. You know, dollar cost average your way into a stock. If you were going to buy 100 shares of a stock, buy 25 or 50. Get the ball rolling. If it goes down further, pick up another 25. I mean, there are a number of ways to handle buying on corrections as opposed to just backing up the truck and dumping all your money in, which, you know, for some people that works just fine too. But if you're, you know, if you're sitting there and you have a lot of cash and you're wondering when to start to deploy it, I think you start to deploy it uh, now. Um, you, you don't necessarily have to put it all in, but you know, if if if, you, if you're sitting there with a ton of cash, you know, and you and you have this opportunity, you got to throw in at least ten, twenty percent of that cash into the market and get the ball rolling. Because if you're waiting to for the perfect bottom to put it all in, you're going to wait forever. You're just not going to do it. And, and that's, that's an of, excellent point. Chuck, you know, a lot of people, they wait, and then that market just never goes back to the levels they're looking for. And uh, that's the other part of this is there is truly a big-time danger of being out of the market and then just never being being able to pull that trigger to get back in. Uh, the money you leave on uh, on the table is just, it's it's frankly disturbing. Oh, yeah, no, the big, I mean, you know, and I've been, I've been doing this and following markets for over 40 years. And I can tell you unequivocally, the biggest risk of investing is not being in the market when it goes down, but it's being out of the market when it goes up. And, you know, that's why aggressive market timing, it can be dangerous. And, and as you know, Andy, I mean, yes, we use the Dow theory to, to guide us and to help us. But you also know that, you know, I am not 100% out of the market during bear markets and 100% in the market during bull markets. I mean, we, you know, a, a, a pretty negative viewpoint for us on the market is, you know, being 65 to 70% invested when we could be 100% invested. You know, that's that's a pretty bearish outlook uh, for us. So, and 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 the reason for that is we recognize that, Again, the biggest risk is being out of the market when it takes off because the market moves, as you know, in dramatic fits and starts. And there's been tons of research done over the years that shows that, you know, had you been, you know, over a 30-year period, had you been out of the market for 
just the 10 best days in that 30-year period, um, your returns would shrink up to, to virtually nothing. I mean, markets move in fits and starts, and they move in a very short, dramatic fashions, uh, you know, separated by long periods of kind of sideways to, eh, trading, which is kind of what we've seen here. Um, but you've got to be in the market to capture those, those up moves. And, you know, keep in mind, since 1926, stocks have gone up on average three out of every four years. So anytime you make a big bet to be out of the market, you're making a big bet against a, a, a long-term historical probability that stocks rise. So that's, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. But yeah, but no, that's, that's a good really... soapbox to be on and, and, and very important advice for a lot of folks because I've seen people who've gotten out of the market at the right time but could never just get back in and there's that they talk about leaving money on the table. Well, we we've yeah. covered a lot of ground. You've given us a ton of picks, both small and quality, and I appreciate that. But as we wrap up today's conversation, Chuck, what is the takeaway for the gains listener? Stay the course here. Uh, this the, the correction is doing exactly what corrections are supposed to do is scare the heck out of you. Um don't be scared. Um you know, if take advantage of them if if you have to take advantage of them in a piecemeal way because that's palatable to you go ahead and do that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but don't get panicked out of the market and step up and take advantage and do some buying here because i think you'll be glad you did big thanks to chuck carlson ceo of horizon investment services and publisher of the website upsidestocks.com hey be sure to subscribe Follow, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. Totally appreciate the solid there. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday mornings, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.